Living Corporate is brought to you by The Access Point. The reality is, this is the largest influx of black and brown talent corporate America has ever had. And as a result, a variety of talent entering the workforce are first-generation professionals. The other reality? Most of these folks aren't learning what it means to navigate a majority white workplace in their college classes. Enter The Access Point a live weekly web show within the Living Corporate Network that gives black and brown college students the real talk they need and likely haven't heard elsewhere. Every week, our hosts and special guests are dropping gems, so don't miss out. Check out The Access Point, airing every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard on livingcorporate.tv. Hey everybody, this is See It To Be It from Living Corporate. Living Corporate is a digital media network that centers and amplifies black and brown people at work. My name is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'm the host of See It To Be It. When I was growing up in rural Southern Indiana, I didn't know people who went to college or who worked in professional roles. I didn't know what those jobs looked like, much less how to break into them. But this show isn't about me, it's about my guests. I bring you career stories from everyday role models in jobs you may not know exist. More importantly though, the folks I interview share their perspectives as black and brown professionals in jobs and environments where they may be the only. My guest today is Lisa Anderson. Lisa has worked her way up the ranks in corporate spaces from a recruiter to chief human resources officer Um, and even as a career coach on the side. But before we get to the interview, we're going to tap in with Tristan for some career advice. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. This week, I want to discuss whether you are unqualified for that role or if you're just underqualified, because there's a difference. At some point, when each of us is searching for a job, we pass up applying to some because we don't think we match exactly what they're looking for, even if we feel like we could learn on the job. We'll often tell ourselves, oh, I'm not qualified for the role, and keep scrolling. But one mistake I think many job seekers make is not knowing the difference between being unqualified and underqualified. So let me break it down for you. Unqualified is where you don't meet even 10 to 20% of the qualifications from the job description. These are the roles you encounter and think, wow, this job sounds cool, but I don't have any experience doing any of the things they're requesting. When we see these roles, sometimes we'll find one requirement in the job description that we have and we latch onto it and lie to ourselves that this is the perfect job for us. On the contrary, being underqualified is where you meet at least 60 to 70% of the job description requirements. Maybe you're only two years shy of the requested experience, but you're pretty confident that you can do well in the position. When we see these roles, often the only thing holding us back from applying is ourselves and our preconceived notions surrounding the company or job and the other candidates applying. Now, if you're unqualified, simply do not apply to the role. You'll likely never make it to the top candidate position because you have no tangible examples that showcase how you can solve the company's problems. You also could be doing yourself a disservice by tarnishing your reputation with that employer. 
But if you're underqualified, you definitely should still apply. And though that goes for everyone, I'm specifically talking to women because studies show that a large majority of women will not apply to jobs unless they are 100% qualified based on the job description. I say still apply because according to a study by Robert Half, 84% of companies are willing to hire and train a candidate who lacked required skills, and 62% of employees have been offered a position for which they were not fully qualified. Even Google's head of people operations was underqualified for his role according to his 2019 interview with Fast Company, so don't be afraid to shoot your shot. No matter if you apply online and you are overqualified, underqualified, or just plain qualified, remember the best way to ensure that you get the, to the interview stage is by understanding the value you bring to the company, conveying that well in your documents and LinkedIn profile, and leveraging your network. Thanks for tapping in with me this week. Talk to you next week, same time, same place. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume, or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Leadership Range, a podcast within the Living Corporate Network, hosted by globally certified and Fortune 500 executive coach and leadership development expert Neil Edwards, the leadership range is focused on having real, raw, soulful, and accountable conversations about inclusive leadership, allyship, professional development. Every week is a new episode with new learning and new actions to take on to grow inclusively. Make sure you check out the leadership range everywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to See It To Be It. My guest today is Lisa Anderson. Lisa is a Chief HR Officer or CHRO for a technology company. She has worked at every level of HR, starting her career as a recruiter and moving up to the up the corporate ladder to HR manager, director, vice president, and finally CHRO. She knows what it takes to grow a career. Lisa is also a certified leadership and career coach who works with women leaders on finding their voice, especially in male-dominated environments, building their leadership courage, and increasing their leadership presence. I am so excited to welcome Lisa to the show. How are you today, Lisa? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm just so excited to have you here. Now, you and I met through someone who I've also had on the show before, Francine Parham. Yes, Francine is wonderful. (laughs) So this is how networking works, guys. You meet somebody and they introduce you to people and then you have more awesome people that you can interview for your podcast or, you know, rely on in your network. Um, So I'm just so glad to have you here. So how did you get started in HR? Yes. Is this a dream you had as a child? (laughs) Well, actually, it's very interesting because going off to college and I'm going to date myself a little bit in the early 90s going off to college. I actually went into college as an accounting major and took uh, tax accounting my second year, my sophomore year, and immediately went to the advisor's office to change my major. <laughs> I was you like, weren't having tax accounting for a whole semester. Tax accounting you? changed my whole trajectory. <laughs> there is no shame in that. I had right. the same thing happen so, with organic chemistry. So I, I feel you. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you, especially as a young adult, you're getting exposed to new things and you think, oh, you know, I want to be an accountant. And, and that was the light bulb for me to say, wow, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? 
And I immediately was like, uh, I don't, I don't think so. And so uh, good news is accounting was in the school of business. And I had taken all of those core foundation classes. And so when I changed my major, it wasn't such a, a huge shift because I had all the core business classes anyway. So I actually changed my major from accounting to management. So uh, back then, human resources was not a major. So you took, yeah, so I am really dating myself. <laughs> so you took uh, what back then it was called personnel classes as electives. And so I took a few personnel classes and I was like, huh, I really like this. So I ended up graduating with a bachelor's of business administration, but my major was management with a little concentration in back then personnel management. But that was my first taste of the human resource field. And so, and I said, wow, just a, I got a taste of it. As I start my work life, I'm going to want more of this, right? And so that's kind of how I, I graduated from college and went straight to work for Walmart, believe it or not, in their management uh, training program. And you go through their program and you rotate and you learn the different, uh, you know, the different areas of the store. And when I got to personnel, I didn't want to rotate anymore. <laughs> I wanted to stay <laughs> like, how do I do this? Okay, you know, the rest of the store is interesting, but I really like this. And, you know, back then they said, well, if you really are serious about a career in human resources, you're going to need to relocate to Bentonville, Arkansas, because that's where Walmart's headquarters was. And I said, I'm not quite ready for that yet. So uh, I ended up staying at Walmart, becoming an assistant manager, just learning and after I left Walmart, that's when I made that decision. Okay, I'm going to get my foot in the door in human resources because this is what I want to do. So tell me about that. How did you make that transition? Because your resume said retail, 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 retail. Yes. Right? Yes. And so even though you had the BA in management, how did you pivot and sell yourself as an HR professional? So actually I got my first uh, taste of human resources as a recruiter. So, you know, being at Walmart, you know, as an assistant manager, I hire people, people, you know, cashiers, you know, department managers, stock managers. So that was my in into the HR field was through recruiting because I've been on the other side of the table as a hiring manager. And so that uh, when my first job, when I left uh, Walmart, I went into a staffing agency environment, being a recruiter. And actually the staffing agency was the agency for the healthcare system. So they had created their own staffing agency where they would hire the people to go into the hospitals. So it was a great opportunity because I was able to sell myself from having hiring manager experience. And I'm like, look, you know, I've been on the other side of the table. I know what qualities to look for, you know, and that's the way I got in the door as a recruiter. And that's, that launched uh, my HR career. And that's brilliant. 
the, you know, I think so many times we, in our careers, we get stuck in the labels and we don't look at the activities and yes. the transferable skills. Um, I don't think I've told this story on the show before, but I'm going to tell it real quick if you don't mind. Oh, sure. Um, I was in an interview one time where the hiring manager asked me, he's like, so do you know anything about our systems? It was like an internal, it, it was a promotion within the same company, but to a completely different department. Mm -hmm. And he said, so do you know anything about our systems? And I said, no, but I can learn them. And he said, do you know anything about uh, the function of the job? There were like two job functions. One was uh, support, right? Like technical support. And the other one was like implementation of software. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I don't know much about support, but I used to work with somebody who managed a support team. And I watched what she did. And I think I kind of got it. And if not, I can call her and ask for help. And I don't know a whole lot about implementation, but I used to work with somebody who did that. And I watched what she did. And I'm pretty sure I can do all of that. And if not, I can call her and ask for help. And he said, well, do you know anything about our business processes? And I said, no, but I could figure it out. Do you know I got that job? <laughs> you know why? Because he saw that you were the type of person that if you didn't know the answer, you were going to use your resources, use your network, and you were going to research it and figure it out. That's right. But if I had, if I had taken the question at face value... Yeah. And said, you know, no, I don't know your systems. No, I don't know your processes. No, I've never done support. No, I've never done implementations. I'd have been out of there. Right. Yeah, so it's probably, all about how do you sell it? Yeah. He would have said, well, why are you interviewing? <laughs> why are you here <laughs> for this position if you don't have any? But you were able to answer those questions and show him yeah, okay, I might not have the hands on, but I watched this person do it and I have a relationship with this person that if I get stuck, yep. I can always reach into my network and, and get assistance. So right. that for him was like, okay, you know what? Let's let's hire her now. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> was gonna have to learn it. Might as well be me, right? Exactly. Exactly. So but I want I want to get back to to you in this journey from so recruiting is a very small part. Yes. of HR. So, and if you're in a staffing agency, I'm betting that you're pretty pigeonholed. Yes. So how did you expand? Because a lot of times I think, um, you know, when people are specializing in one area, it's hard for them to, to broaden right? Um, because they kind of get typecast in that role. So how did you broaden out of recruiting into a broader HR role? So you're absolutely right. So as a recruiter, I, I discovered, you know, pretty quickly that I wanted more. Like it, it was good to find the people, recruit, bring them into the organization. But with recruiting, then you're done and you're on to the next thing, right? Like the next hire. And for me, I really, if I was like, okay, there's more to this than, than just bringing them in. And so for me, I really um, started doing my homework, right? Because remember, I only had received a taste of it in college, right? So I really started to, to do my homework, started getting connected to some HR associations where I can start to network with other people. And going back to taking the skills that I had and broaden them. So my next role was, uh, it still was recruiting, but it was an opportunity to do more. And so I look for those opportunities where, you know, don't just pigeonhole me as a recruiter because I can stay where I am, you know, if I just wanted to continue to recruit. 
But my next role I'm looking for is a generalist. I want to broaden my horizon. I want to learn more about the HR field. And I had a passion for it where, you know, I was taking, you know, courses and workshops on the side. So, um, and then when I got into interview situations, same as you, I may not have, you know, done a benefit analysis, but I know what goes into it. I'm taking this course, you know, I've taken a few webinars and courses and, and absolutely I can definitely contribute. And, and they, someone gave me that opportunity. So that shifted me from just recruiting into more, I was doing a little bit of recruiting, but more uh, employee relations, compensation, benefits. That's where I got a chance to just touch other areas, training, you know, other areas of HR. And for me, that was more exciting uh, than, than to be a specialist. Now, I talk to a lot of recruiters today and they're like, Lisa, I don't want to do nothing but recruiting. I don't want to be a generalist. I love recruiting or they love being a compensation specialist or they love just the area of benefits. Uh, for me, I like the variety. I like touching, knowing a little bit about each area and touching all areas. It kept, I, I don't know if that's uh, ADD. It kept me from being getting bored. <laughs> so, so yeah, but it really is about taking your transferable skills, things that you, you, skills that you have that you may have gained, not just from that one particular industry or area, and then really connecting it to where you're trying to go. I love that you invested in your own development to help get you there. There are a lot of companies that will invest in their people, but there are a lot more that won't. Yes. And it is so important. You know, your career is up to you. And if you're not willing to invest in your own development, you can't expect somebody else to, to invest in you. Absolutely. I 100% believe in that. And I did that for my, for my career because a lot of organizations, they have budgets. And so guess what? You go to, uh, you know, I want to take a class or I want to go to a conference or a workshop and it might not be, it may not be in the budget. So why not ask, you know what, I'll be willing to, you know, invest in myself for that workshop or class. And you, you have a conversation with your manager about, um, will you guys at least allow me to time off if it's related to my career field, Right. So it may not be you guys can pay for it, but will you allow me to take the time off to go without using my vacation or my PTO? Sometimes the answer to that is yes. Sometimes the answer to that is no. No, I'm sorry. We'll grant you the time off, but you're going to need to use your PTO or your vacation. Okay, no problem. I have some saved up. I like to still attend the workshop. Yeah. And you can even take it a step further by saying, and when I come back, I would love to tell everybody else about what I learned so they yes. can benefit from it too. And then if you show that you're a good investment, guess yes. who gets to go next year on the company credit card? Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. You bring it back in house and everybody else who didn't get an opportunity to go, they learn. And then that gives your manager like, hmm, 
hmm, she's willing to share, even though we didn't as a company pay for her to go. But, you know, so it puts a different perspective for your manager looking at you like, wow, oh, okay, great. And just like you said, next year, hey, guess what? Don't forget about me. That's right. I'm interested. When I always tell people too, when you're negotiating for a new job, figure out what conferences you want to go to before you get to the interview stage. Yes. And then say like, you know, I understand like your, your benefits package is this and the salary is this. It's really important to me to go to whatever the conference is, right? Maybe it's the, the annual SHRM conference, yes. or the state SHRM conference, or, you know, uh, Grace Hopper for IT or whatever the thing is, right? This is really important to me and make that part of what you, you negotiate for oh. or your association dues or whatever, because that's a really small line item for an employer, but it can make a big difference for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it shows your potential manager or the hiring manager like, wow, okay, she's going to keep up with what's the current, what's going on in the industry, the new and the latest and the greatest. And usually when you have certifications, absolutely, you definitely want to ask those questions. I have quite a few HR certifications and I have to get continuing ed credits and recertify every three years. So absolutely, you wanna ask that in the interview because you say to, look, I'm coming, I'm credentialed. I'm coming with all these certifications. I really hope that the organization will continue to invest in me in order for me to maintain these certifications. So absolutely, I love that, yes. You ask for it in an interview, or at least be upfront about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I always, when I'm speaking at, at conferences or I'm speaking at events, I always say, you know, look around. These are the leaders in your company. I don't care what title yes. they have. Yes. But they could have gone, right? They could have gone out for coffee today. They could have gone out to lunch. Yes. Right. They could be, you know, in the pub complaining about their manager, but they're here yep. learning something that makes them better employees, better leaders. And these are the folks that yes. other people look at and see as leaders because they know they're here and not at the pub complaining about their manager. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You do. You absolutely see it because you see the people who are willing to uh, what I call build their craft. You have to get really good with that, whatever your craft is. And that's when, as you build your craft, that's when people start to notice, oh, wow, okay. She's very knowledgeable in that area, right? And then that's, that way you start to build your credibility within you know, your organization at whatever that is all about the brand. I, I, I do a lot, especially with leadership, uh, the coaching with women. What is your brand? You're building your brand. What are you known for in your organization? And you really strategically build that. And part of that is knowing your craft. I, I did also, that, yeah, um, early in my career, I was the HR guru. <laughs> but, you know, I had a passion and an interest for it. So I was always wanting to learn about it. Yeah. And the other thing that people sleep on, I think, is that those trainings are a great way to meet other people. Yes. And build your network of yes. other leaders who are moving up, right? And the difference, I was I was on a podcast this morning, we were talking about the difference between leadership and ambition. 
Yes. Ambition goes alone. Leadership takes others with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's a good, good one. Yes, it, it is. And as you start to network more, you are just like really, uh, I mean, I did that. I'm still friends today with the people that I went through the certification classes with, you know, cause we were all in it together. You know, those certification exams are not. Ooh, yeah. They're ooh, no joke. Not for the faint of heart. Right. But we all got together. We did the study groups. We supported each other. And, you know, and that was very early in my career. And now, you know, as I've moved up my corporate ladder, they've moved up their ladder. And, you know, and a lot of us are in top, you know, HR positions um, in our organizations. And I still connect with them and keep in touch with them, you know, and we still reach out to each other. Hey, what are you doing in your company? What's going on? You know, and we share information. So it is critical that you continue to always build your network. Absolutely. Now tell me a little bit about which certifications you have. And because I want to kind of get into that a little bit. We don't talk about certifications a lot. We talk about associations a lot. Yes. I see it to be it, but I, I want to dig into certifications a little. So tell me about what you got. Yeah. So I have um, in HR, there are so many certifications in HR. So let me just say that, <laughs> caveat that there's so many different certifications. But as I mentioned earlier, I stayed on the generalist path. So my certification, uh, the first one I have is called SPHR, and it stands for Senior Professional in Human Resources. And the credentialing organization uh, for that certification is called HRCI, Human Resources Certification Institute. Um, And that was the first certification um, that I received. Um, And actually, I have the senior level certification now, but uh, years ago, I had the uh, regular certification, which is called PHR, Professional in Human Resources. And so I went for that exam uh, certification first. And then once I became successful in that, certifications last every, you know, every three years, you have to, you know, go through the process of recertifying. But it was interesting, my path, I did the PHR one year, and then I went right the next year and took the SPHR. And people were like, you know, all my friends, like, what are you doing? Are you crazy, lady? (laughs) You just got, you're like, no, I'm on a roll. I can't quit now. So what are you doing? You just got the PHR. What are you doing? But what they didn't know, and, and I share, the the exam books were changing. And I had, I had the exam books. And the next year, they were going to be coming out with like a whole new, you know, updates and da-da-da. And I was like. And those books cost a lot of money. They For cost people who lot. don't understand why that's a big deal. I've paid up to $1,500 for a certification prep book. Yes. They're a big deal. You do not want to have to buy that book twice. They're expensive. So once I got wind that they were going to change the uh, exam, I was like, I can't pay for these books again. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm before they change that test, I'm going right for it. So I went straight into (laughs) 
to the, I was like, what can I, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I don't pass and I'm going to have to get the new books. Okay. But I'm going for it. And I went for it and, and passed it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I had the PHR for one year and then I went straight into <laughs> the SPHR. So, um, but again, you, you know, if, as you're uh, studying or looking, researching, whether you're going to do certifications or not, that's one thing you have to take a look at. When is when are the when is this uh, material or the content? When is it going to update? When is the test going to shift? Because that might be a part of your decision making of when you go for the exam or or take the boot camp or when you don't, right? Because yeah. it may make sense. You know what? Let me just wait until they switch everything over. Then I go purchase all my materials. So, so that was yeah. an interesting, uh, you know, why I went back to back like that. Yeah. Um, and then the other certification I have is called the SHRM SCP. And that certification is uh, the credentialing organization is SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. And so they've, uh, back in 2015, I believe, they came out with their own, own certification. And I have the senior certified professional uh, part of, of that certification. So, um, and certification is a big deal for me personally. I, I do very much believe in it. I taught the class for 10 years at a local community college, helping other HR professionals go through the process. So I am a huge, huge proponent of HR uh, certifications. Uh, and it's not just the test. These particular certifications, designations, have an experiential component as well. You have to show that you've done the work yes. for so many hours over the last however many years that you know the, the particulars are different for each one of them. But it's not just you sit down and pass the test. You have to actually document the work that you've done. I mean, it's a pretty onerous process. Yeah. For, number one, you have to be eligible to take the exam, they, um, they will not allow, uh, and especially depending on which level, senior versus um, the, the regular level, but they want you to, to have a certain, number, a certain years of experience before you're even eligible to sit for, for the exam. Um, and sometimes our students, because you know, student, now, of course, the colleges and universities have uh, great HR programs and degrees. And so sometimes students will come, go to take the PHR exam and they can, you know, sit as a student, you know, get the waiver. They may not have the experience yet, but sometimes that they can go and, and at least go through the class and learn and then, you know, get the experience at, a, at you know, as they're coming out of college and starting their careers. So it's absolutely like, you know, one of those uh, paths that you're right, it's pretty intense. I tell people, you know, going for the certification, it's an intense process. And, and you know, I encourage people, you know, you, some people are great doing a self-study. Others need a classroom, you know, the discipline of other people and an instructor, whatever way you decide to go for it, you know, um, be serious about it and, and because there is expense that goes with that. Not only you're paying for the uh, books, but you're also paying for the actual exam as well. 
a lot of times you can get your organizations to sponsor you and pay for those. So that's another thing that you can ask up front in an interview. You know, let your the person know, hey, I'm gonna, I would love to get my certification. Would the organization uh, sponsor me for that and pay the cost of that? So that's more, absolutely one thing you can ask. You know, yeah, it never hurts to ask. And another another thing that I often tell people is go read your employee manual. They give you that employee handbook the first day. Nobody looks at right. You look and see how much time off you're going to get. Right. And then you kind of put it on the shelf and you never think about it again. But right, right now, go dig that thing out and find out what's the tuition reimbursement policy. Absolutely. What's the professional development allowance yes. you're eligible for and take advantage of it. Because number one, you're leaving money on the table if you don't. So that's just silliness. Yes. Right? If you can get $500 extra a year to spend on your education, spend it. That's first of all, but two, they can't take that education away from you when you leave. Absolutely. You get to keep that forever and ever and ever. And, and, and that's the thing. The certifications belong to the individual. It doesn't belong to the company. So as you move on or as you move up in your career, that certification goes with you. And then you're going to be responsible for making sure you maintain it you know, making sure that you, you know, keep your uh, credits, your continuing education credits up so that you can recertify um, every three years um, yeah. in the, in, you know, with the SPHR and the SHRM SCP. Yeah. So I didn't ask you to set me up for that, but I'm actually going to share real quick. This is a little sure. plug for my company. Um, my company lead at any level just got approved by SHRM as a oh. continuing education provider. So I have a whole online course series now uh, where people can go in and do self-paced online courses and get the credits, professional development credits for it. Um, So, um, so thank you for just opening the door for, for your host to plug their product, but, uh, (laughs) but but that was a big deal for me because I know that people really need those credits and they get tired of going to the same thing all the time. And I offer something that's a little bit different. Yeah. So now they can get tired of my voice for a couple of years before they move on to the next thing. That's, that's fantastic because you're absolutely right. Please, anybody who has the certifications, don't do what I do and wait to the last minute. Um, I'm, I'm normally the person at, that's at a mad dash. You know, I always think I have time. And then when I look up and I always check, like, okay, is this the year? And then by the time I look up, it's like, oh my goodness, this is the year that I have to make sure all my credits <laughs> are in. Um, you know, most people, the right way to do it is to do it a little bit at a time. So you're not under a lot of stress and pressure. <laughs> because if you don't, you know, if you don't, um, if you don't, finish or at least get your 60 continuing ed credits, um, you might have to take the exam again if you want to keep your certification. And you don't want to do that. Exactly. And I vowed that I will not be taking that exam again. So we're going to do what we need to do to make sure you keep up on these uh, continuing education credits so you can recertify every three years. Absolutely. So let me ask you, how then do you leverage or how do you advise people leverage these certifications? Um, I'm imagining that these conversations can be useful at performance evaluation time, when it comes time for a promotion, when it's time to look for a new job. 
how do you how do you recommend people position that? Yeah, so you know, especially if you're in an organization and you get your certification while you're there. So in other words, you didn't have it when you interview, but you know, you got your certification. You know, as soon as you get your certification, you know, whether it's during your performance review or even after a um, if you and your manager, you know, are set up for one-on-ones, you know, bring it up, you know, just say, hey, first of all, congratulations, right? You know, you you passed your certification. But um, I always tell people, make sure you're having career conversations with your manager and you bring it up. Look, this was one of my goals, you know, for me to obtain my certification. And, you know, what I would like to do is have more opportunities to do ABC or XYZ. And, you know, and my goal is I want to move to the next level. Have that conversation with your manager because you don't know what the manager knows. You don't know what opportunities may be opening up across the company. So you always, you know, want to make it known. Now, the pushback I get from that, I have some people that said, well, Lisa, you know, I don't think my manager really cares or I'm not sure if I really want to have that conversation because I might not trust my manager. So, but in my response to that is, okay, but how does the manager know, how does your manager know what your aspirations are? Okay, I get it. All managers are not the same. And you might have a manager that, you know, may not, you know, be into personal development of their team but if they don't know, then you have zero chance. At least if you mention it, look, I just wanna put it out there. This is what I'm interested in. Hopefully as they're in other meetings, something comes up, the red flag goes, oh, I have somebody on my team that may be interested in that. And you allow them that opportunity. So definitely bring certification and leverage that in your career conversations. And if you, it's certainly okay to have career conversations with other people, not just your manager. You might have a mentor. Make sure you're putting it, put putting that out there. And then, as far as looking for uh, new positions, if you're um, interviewing and in the in the market for a new job, definitely on the resume, list it. Make sure you put it out there that, that you, and now you see in some job posting is, postings, especially in HR field, they're preferring it. PHR, SPHR, or PHR, SHRM, CP, they are sometimes, you'll see it in, in the actual job posting um, that they prefer that someone has their certification. So that would give you just a, a leg up over the next candidate who may not have that. So absolutely leverage it. Put it in your LinkedIn bio, get your badges. Absolutely. Collect, collect your, your coins as it were. Yes. Online, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Mm. Lisa, thank you so much for all of this. This is, I feel like we've just jammed like so much career advice into this, (laughs) into this episode. So now I want to switch gears just a little bit because you work as a coach. Yes. Who's your target client for coaching? 
Yeah. So I, when I first started my coaching business, I, st- I was targeting HR professionals. But then as my business started to grow, I started to shift and pivot. And, you know, now that I'm in the, um, the C-suite of a company and, I, and as I reflect back as a woman of color, like what I went through growing my career, I just have a passion for helping other women, especially in leadership um, and especially in male dominated environments because that's what I've been you know, in a lot, the majority of my career. And I know how it feels to be in that room, in the leadership room or at the table, they call it. And you have a voice, but you feel invisible. And so now that's what I work with my clients on with, um, how to find their voice and put their voice on the table, leadership courage. So when everybody in the room is saying it's the red pill, you know, back from the matrix, it's the red pill. You're the only one in the room thinking it's the blue pill. And how do you put that position on the table? So the courage of speaking up when, when you have a different opinion so I do a lot of work around that. And then a lot of women want, will just want to work on executive presence and how they show up in the room. So I do a lot of work uh, around executive presence. Um, and those are the things that I went through as I was growing, you know, climbing the uh, corporate ladder. I remember being in the room and having a conversation in my head, like, do they not see me? I'm here. <laughs> and so, but, and, but once I discovered my voice and then I was more um, bold to put it on the table, then I really started, people started, you know, in the rooms like, oh, wow, she's bringing a different perspective that we hadn't thought of, right? And so, and then the more I got comfortable in doing that, my career just, just took off. Cause then I was able credibility. Then I had the credibility. Yeah. And I think so many times when we're the only in a room, only woman, only person of color, only person that's from the outside of the organization or from a different industry, whatever others us in that space, we talk ourselves out of being bold because we forget that we were brought in probably in large part because we brought a different perspective. Right than all the bobs and gems on the team, right? Because yes. like I've been in meetings where there were more bobs yes. than women. Yes. Right? I mean, like literally people named Bob outnumbered the women in the room. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's, you're brought in for that perspective. And then if you don't voice it, you're not adding the value you're being paid to bring to the room. Absolutely. And you have value, <clears throat> right? Yeah. So, no, I'm so glad that you are helping women leaders find their voices because it is sorely needed and we need more women leaders, not only to show up and and be, you know, step fully into the power that they have, but also to be recognized and elevated because without that, none of the rest of us can get in, right? Right. And to have a support system. So that's the other part that I was, that was missing for me. Um, I had a support system, but it was external to the company, right? The, but 
the good news is I had a great boss in a, in a lot of my roles. And one role in particular, I had a great female boss. She wasn't a person, of, a woman of color, but I learned a lot from her. Um, and, and she is one of my mentors to this day. But for sometimes things that I wasn't comfortable with sharing with her, I didn't have anybody else internally. So then I started to look for mentors outside, external to the, you know, outside of the organization as that support system when I'm struggling with, with you know, something or, so that's when in building my coaching business, that was the one thing I'm like, oh my goodness, I want to create that community of support uh, for women because sometimes when we're in organizations, we're not, we don't want to let someone know that we have a coach or it just really depends on the culture of, of the company that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. So if people are, if someone is listening and is saying, you know what, I'm, I'm in a leadership role. I know that I'm not speaking up as much as I would like, or as much as I'm expected to, how can they get in touch with you, Lisa? Sure. So my uh, company name is Positively in Pursuit. And my website, actually, www.positivelyinpursuit.com, all one word. I am on LinkedIn. So please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as Lisa Anderson. And then I have all the HR uh, certifications behind my name. So because my name is so common, it's Lisa Anderson, comma, SPHR. If you just type in SPHR, I'll pop up. <laughs> Perfect. And we'll make sure and link in the show notes, but just in case somebody's, you know, not near their computer right yes. now, uh, we'll make sure that you're tagged and all the stuff so people can find you, find the right Lisa Anderson to help yes. them get their voice heard in the workplace. Um, Lisa, I want to thank you. This has been just a, a fabulous conversation. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. Oh, me and too. I hope we can talk again soon. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Living Corporate is brought to you by The Break Room. Have you ever felt burnt out, depressed, or otherwise exhausted by being one of the onlys at work? You know what I'm talking about. Hosted by Black psychologists, psychiatrists, and PhDs, The Break Room is a live weekly web show in the Living Corporate Network that discusses mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. Name another weekly show explicitly focused on mental health, wellness, and healing for black folks at work. I'll wait. This is why you got to check out The Break Room, airing every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on livingcorporate.tv. Whew. How much fun was Lisa? I love her. I love her energy and I love the depth that she brought to this interview. What I really liked about this interview was that we were able to talk about something new um, around the association space, which is where a lot of us go to build our professional networks. But Lisa really dived in on the dived, dove? I don't know. She really went deep on the uh, certification piece, which I love because a lot of people don't know that these certifications are available. So whether you're in the HR space or some other field, take a look at the certifications that are available to you and how you might you know, build some depth of knowledge or some breadth of knowledge using certifications. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Living Corporate and share us with your friends and colleagues. 
You can also meet your favorite guests and join the conversation at c2bchat.com. And you can really help us out by leaving us a six-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Now, maybe you're new to the show and you're wondering, there are only five stars. Where's the sixth one? Well, give us all five of those stars and then go the next step by leaving just a couple of sentences in your own words, telling us what you liked about the guest, the show, or the episode. Don't forget to visit living-corporate.com to learn more about our other podcasts, videos, web shows, and more. See It To Be It is brought to you in part by Lead At Any Level, a certified woman and LGBT-owned business dedicated to helping organizations build inclusive cultures and diverse leadership pipelines. Lead at any level. Leaders can be anywhere and should be everywhere. Learn more at leadatanylevel.com. That's it for this episode of See It To Be It. This is Amy C. Wanninger, and I'll see you next week. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.